reason, there's a reason I got no money It's been disastrous, but somehow we'll get through And we know just where we'll find ourselves Sleeping on the floor at half past two Hello, I'm David Harris and you're joining us once again for uh, Enjoy Your Life. Uh, this is a very special episode. It is episode number 50. Wow. Ooh. We've been doing this for so long. And the and after this episode, we're all going to, this is the last one. I mean, yep. I'm, <laughs> we're going the, out on a high note. Yeah, fire the co host and then I'm going to quit. Or <laughs> know, we'll see what happens. Uh, joining me once again, Holly Hazelwood and Eric Miller. How are you guys doing? Good, good. A plus. Yeah. Holly, uh, uh, B minus for B-. me. B minus. Yeah. Holly, um, you know, I don't know if you got to check our Twitter feed, but uh, Kelly Hogan wrote back. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? No, I don't want to talk about that. Uh, <laughs> so I, actually, I'll talk about this. So I I have started doing the, the Twitter account for Spectrum Culture, and I'm typically pretty good at, uh, at proofreading what I write, but sometimes I am also doing my actual day job while I am being the social media intern for this website. And I may have botched a couple of tags and a typo to name or two. Uh, but you know, it happens to the best of us. It was, it was no Kofefe moment. (laughs) You, You tagged some dude that wasn't even in the band. That was like some, some like civilian. Didn't you? Yeah, but who had the same damn name, and I think that was an accident. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so, well, so the, the, so my neighbors who just moved in last year, like I, we just finally exchanged texts or phone numbers recently. And uh, I was texting them to say like, Hey, this is me. And, you know, and I was letting them know that my, my wife doesn't have a cell phone. So to contact her, they've got to contact her a different way. And, uh, and she, the woman wrote back and she was like, Oh, she doesn't have a cell phone. How does she communicate? Is it, is it carrier pigeons? I hope it's carrier pigeons. And then the guy writes back and he's like, he's like, I think this is the wrong phone number. (laughs) (laughs) We had this whole exchange where it was not, it was not the guy. (laughs) Group text with a rando. Hell yeah. Such such an idiot. Yeah. One last thing about that before we introduce our our guests is like my wife um, had to, for her staff, they put like, um, like three years ago, she works at a school. They did some kind of like Christmas card where all, everyone in the staff was dressed in like, bunny onesies and she didn't want to do it and one of the women who worked with her took a picture and texted it to her but she texted it to like some guy by accident like some random guy <laughs> so some dude right got this picture of my wife in this like bunny outfit and she he was i think he was more excited than he should have been <laughs> to receive this <laughs> anyway we do have a guest tonight um thank you for joining us <laughs> burns from calexico how are you Oh, I'm doing so much better now. Thank you guys for inviting me. It's an honor. And um, yeah, let the typos begin. (laughs) I think as we were talking before, as our little like uh, wrap before the show, um, we had talked about how I was going to thank you for helping with the Arizona election. And, you know, Arizona being one of the only brave states to actually flip a Senate seat, even though we were like Mm -hmm. expecting more, there were only two um, or two to the Democrat side, at least. But uh, but you're in Boise Mm -hmm. now. So I am, but you said I've you got work involved. to do here in Idaho. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to be a busy bunny. <laughs> <laughs> so you said that you did do some uh, outreach and stuff in the Arizona election. 
Yeah. And, and in the past in general, um, Calexico has been involved with, uh, Gabriel Gifford's campaigns mm. and that's how I met Mark. And, um, so we, we've all been in touch and we were friends. And so, um, yeah, when I told it was, uh, Gabby had her birthday and, uh, and I told them, I said, yeah, we're, we're, we're moving. And he goes, well, you're still going to vote in Arizona, right? Like, <laughs> um, I hope we can, but it just depends on when we get to Idaho and, uh, but you know, he didn't need my vote, but for sure I've been spreading the word and, um, and I, uh, he called me the day of the election. He said, Hey, um, what are you up to? I was like, Oh, I'm just raking leaves. How about you? How are you doing? He goes, I feel pretty good. I think I'm going to win. I'm like, wow, that's great. It's just about noon. That's awesome. And he goes, Hey, can I use one of your songs when I walk out tonight to accept? I'm like, yeah, of course. So uh, we had a little exchange and, and then we sent him some congratulatory salt and pepper shakers that are like uh, forms of astronauts, but they're all kind of gold plated. <laughs> that's awesome. That's cute. If yeah. I said, if I was going to say that's a pretty stellar friend to have, that's kind of a, kind of a joke. And that's, yeah. I know. I can't wait to go visit DC. Your interstellar friend. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's just that's, say it's cosmic. Yeah. What song did he want to walk out to? Crystal Frontiers, uh, one of he, one of his and Gabby's uh, favorite songs, and he's also a fan of Garden Ruining. He said to me the last time we played in Tucson, he goes, "Hey, how come you guys don't play so many songs in Garden Ruin?" I'm like, I don't know. It's like a gazillion years ago. <laughs> we got new songs, man. Come on, <laughs> that's a great record, though. When you when you when you wrote the song Bisbee Blue, you weren't talking about the state changing color, were you? <laughs> I uh, I was not. No, no, I was not. But I am so happy, you guys as I'm sure you are too. So oh, cheers to Arizona. Yeah. yeah it's, we, been, it's been amazing. Those of us who, uh, you know, don't live in Arizona or try to conjecture why, and it's everywhere in between like the border wall. And then just like the whole, like Donald Trump being so disrespectful to John McCain. And like, what do you think was the, uh, the impetus to kind of flip it? Well, I, I mean, I'm sorry. I just think tr Trump has just dug his own grave. I mean, he's, he's an idiot. And I can't believe that I even have, you know, friends or family members that have voted for him. And that's, that's really the scary part. But I think that, um, there's a lot of positive aspects that have, that have occurred. I think Mark is just a really solid human being and he's well experienced and he's been around and he's done great work. And, um, yeah. And, uh, I, I don't think that Trump did himself a service by talking down John McCain as much as he did. Well, thank you again for, for that. I mean, we, we actually, we did a podcast, uh, two podcasts ago. It was the night of, uh, the, the night that Biden won the night they called it for and We were just delirious when we did it. It was like, such a, yeah, that's such a crazy day. It really yeah, was it's so good. I'm yeah. so happy. I'm so happy about that. There's still lots of work to do. And that's the takeaway, right? Is that we realize that however much you and, and, and everyone got involved on whatever level, that, okay, if I just did a little bit more, I could have helped things out even, you know, that little bit more, it could have just given a little bit, maybe more traction. I don't know. It could have had more of a positive effect. So I feel that, you know, this democracy demands all of us doing something. So that's what I did. I, I wrote some letters and postcards to voters through reclaim our vote. And I posted things. Um, I did not have some uncomfortable discussions with family members about politics, but, um, I guess that we'll, we'll deal with that next chapter. That's the hardest. That's the hardest one. 
It really is. It's, it's such a difficult, it's a tough one. uh, yeah. I, yeah, I, I struggle with that, uh, quite a bit. And it's like, it's just, I don't know. Yeah. Very, very difficult topic to broach with family members for sure. Have, have you and your, your parents like had any kind of conversation, Eric, since the, I mean, I know you guys were like having some, like uh, I mean, a little bit about it beforehand. Yeah. But. I mean, it has not come up. Yeah. Uh, so I just avoiding it. I'm a, I mean, I don't want to hear about election fraud from, I mean, cause I know that I don't want to hear any of that stuff. So I'm just, I'm, I'm avoiding it. And that's probably, it's the cowardly thing to do. I'm <laughs> putting my, putting my head in the sand on it for at, least, in, at least a little while. Are they in Oregon, Eric? They're not, they're actually in Nevada. Okay. Yeah. So I will, and like I said, uh, it was, it was very sweet that both Nevada and their home state of Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania being the one that actually like tipped the scales, like that's the home yeah. state. And that was, that was sweet. That was sweet. I, I really did enjoy that one. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. And Georgia, I mean, just oh, yeah. so good. Yeah. So good. Yeah. And, I mean, um, yeah. But today Trump was calling Brian Kemp to try to get him to, I mean, it's just like, the, the the bald faced just like audacity to overthrow like overturn like a the will of people is just it's unbelievable. Uh, the, yeah. Uh, yeah, the fact that he's now like asking for a list of names of Republican congressmen who have acknowledged Biden's election is oh just God. like it's so it's fucking far beyond the pale. I just don't understand how right. anyone thinks that this is even okay anymore. Like, yeah. The true, the true talking. patriots, the true patriots do. Truly, the true, yeah. the true <laughs> patriots, like Rudy Giuliani. Yeah. Let's talk about yeah. something a little bit more festive here. Um, <laughs> you know, um, Clexco does have a new album out. It came out by the time this podcast will be released, it'll be a few weeks too old at least. But uh, it came out yesterday. A, a seasonal shift. I'm just kind of curious, Joey. Like in a normal year, like what's a uh, what are holiday traditions for you in a normal year, and how are you going to spend it this year because of the COVID? Yeah. Well, there's a lot of, a lot of new things happening. We just moved from Tucson, Arizona to Boise, Idaho. And so what we would normally do in Tucson, <laughs> it would be to get together with friends, you know, uh, just getting all families together, lots of tamales. Everyone makes tamales down there. So we haven't had the, the need to make them. So this year, my wife, Nova, made tamales for the first time and they were killer. They were so good. I, every day we're eating tamales and they're, they're beautiful. They're so good. Nice variety. So that is now our new tradition. Um, we also like to go in Tucson to the Tucson Botanical Garden. They have a series of concerts and lots of lights and it's, they've stepped up their game every year. It's really beautiful. Um, you know what I haven't done in a long time in Tucson is go down to the, the old mission uh, San Javier del Bac and they have concerts and it's just a gorgeous historical building. And I would love to do that again at some point. Um, we used to do a benefit concert every, you know, winter season for the local community radio station, KXCI. Um, and I miss doing those. You haven't done those in a while. So those are some of the things I'd like to, to go back and do. And this year, and this year, make the tamales, put up some killer lights, which I showed you guys earlier. <laughs> um, put out a record. That's pretty amazing. Um, it feels so good to have just something creative to to offer and and something that I think, uh, you know, shows sort of like open minded and open heartedness and uh, inclusivity. 
in contrast to what we're talking about with a Trump administration and people <laughs> in the world and especially in the states that gave birth to Donald Trump, which, you know, I think it's it's good that we've had this uh, election result. And now um, I think we need to do all the real hard work. Now, your um, your band is pretty disparate. I know you have German members and uh, members from all over the place. How did you record this with uh, everything that's going on in the world? Yeah, well, I wish to say that I was really together with my home studio setup, but I'm really not. So, um, and having had just moved in June, I didn't foresee that I would not really be able to travel back to Tucson. And so I left a car down there with all my gears down there. Um, and so I was lucky enough that Sergio Mendoza, our keyboardist and an engineer friend, Chris Schultz, drove up my minivan full of gear and some of their gear. And we set up shop in an Airbnb in Boise and recorded for a week. But I was also writing and recording at the same time and doing some cover songs. So without their help, it would not have happened. Now, um, speaking of Sergio Mendoza, these guys, I know Eric did at least, uh, you guys saw his uh, orchestra at Pickathon a couple of years ago. Was that last year or two years ago, right? It was, uh, it was two or three years two, ago. Yeah, it was a pretty amazing yeah. set. You know, mm-hmm. it was like was so, so good. Yeah. They're amazing. He is incredible and the band is amazing. Yeah. They, they merge like, I mean, it was just like, one of the things about Pickathon that's always cool is that it just feels like people bring their like, their, their showmanship is always like really upped it feels like and that the showmanship there there was like the trumpet player was like off in the crowd at one point oh, yeah. it was just like i don't know it's just like little fun things like that and it was just it was that was like that was like that was the last set we saw and it was just like what a great way to end the end that so yeah that was great I miss Pickathon, y'all. I miss, I miss shows, you know. I mean, I, I think, miss shows so bad. I mean, I went, I, I went back and reread the the last couple of uh, live concert reviews that I wrote, and it's so funny because the last three, there's a Mountain Goat show in February, and there's no mention of COVID, and then beginning of March, there's a refused show. And I'm like, you know, I think that COVID may be a slightly bigger deal than we all think it's going to be, <laughs> but it's still sad that the turnout is so bad. And then the last show was the night that, uh, Oregon's governor announced that no gatherings over 250 people could happen. And it was at a 20,000 person arena show. And it was like, just capturing this, like, oh, so this is this is it. This is the last thing. And like the the first paragraph paragraph of the review, I say something like, "This is the last show that anyone's going to see for like at least a month." And it's been nine months now. <laughs> yeah, you saw Tool, right? Is that who? Yeah, it was a Tool show. <laughs> oh, wow, it's Another a Arizona band. It's a weird. It's a weird one to go out on. I wish I had planned it a little bit better, but couldn't have. Couldn't have been a bigger show. Like it's truly a spectacle to end my uh, my year of seeing concerts on. Eric, I don't know if you remember or not, but like um, I went to the last Portland Trailblazers game here Ooh. do you remember oh, like wow. you remember like one of my students parents offered me free tickets and i was like oh i don't know you know there's covid i don't know if i should go and i asked you and you're like oh yeah you should definitely go and like everyone else was like oh yeah you should go i was like eh, i'm a little worried about it and so i went and i went with a friend and like i didn't touch anything <laughs> i remember I didn't eat anything oh man and i remember like that the, the last but yeah it was like i don't remember they were playing but it was like the last trailblazers game there hasn't been another one since well i guess in the bubble maybe right it's like the one the one thing talking about the trailblazers i mean i love i love basketball i mean i love some of the baseball too those are the two sports i like i like soccer but it just it just hasn't happened over here 
for me as much, except for women's uh, national soccer team. But I got to say, I was born and raised in LA. The only thing cool about 2020 is that the Dodgers won and the Lakers won. <laughs> and I know there's a lot of people out there that don't like any of those teams, but I just want to get it out. <laughs> the, the problem was don't. that people were like there and watching. They were just, they just needed a little bit of space, just like get the folk out of the stadium and we'll do okay. <laughs> oh my God. They're going to play outdoor hockey, I heard. Really? Oh, that's, yeah. That sounds, fu- that sounds start quaint. I know, right? Was it street hockey? So cool. Put them on rollerblades. Yeah, where are they going? Are they going to be like on lakes, like frozen lakes up in it's, the yeah. whole season's up in Canada? I mean, yeah. like, <laughs> I mean, they should step it up, right? Just have a couple, like, I don't know, some trick-or-treat things happening in the ice. Oh, we just <laughs> lost the goalie. He's disappeared again. I think he's submerged. <laughs> I've, I've Loch Ness Monsters in there. <laughs> I've listened through Seasonal Shift a couple of times, and I have to say I'm really enjoying it. I'm not a big Christmas music person. Like, my wife and I argue about it because she's, like, all out for Christmas. And there's, like, three or four Christmas records that I'll put on and, like, enjoy and maybe tolerate. Um, like, I, I really like the... Um, the Phil Spector one, like I just, I mean, like from the back. It's great. I just heard some of those songs today too. And yeah, I mean, I think everyone's kind of the same, right? It's nothing that you're really going to be thinking about except for when you go out and get a tree and then like, Oh, we're going to decorate the tree. Maybe we should put on some music. Yeah. And we we wouldn't have put a whole record out or even an EP out unless there was a pandemic. And, uh, and also if the record company in, in Europe, City Slang, based out of Berlin, if they hadn't just said like, mm. oh, you know what you should do? You should do a, a, a Christmas song at the end of the year. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, City Slang, an album you beautiful. Yeah, City Slang. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, I was also, I thought it was really funny when Colin Malloy of Decemberist had tweeted that, uh, you know, hey, y'all just get ready because there's going to be a whole slew or a flurry of holiday albums or, you know, rarities, you know, a lot of artists going to be going deep on this one. Truly. And Truly. Shout out to past, uh, enjoy your life guest, Jenny Conley, who's on the Decemberist. She was on our show mm. as, a, as a guest in the past. So, uh, she's great. Big fan of their, of their, uh, of their music. Uh, do you guys, like, what the three of you, do you, uh, do, what are your favorite Christmas like songs or albums? I mean, is there anything that you reach for? Yeah. Yeah, I'm very, very, very picky, but like the three that I lean on the heaviest are probably Lowe's Christmas EP, yeah, uh, the uh, Christmas album that Los Campesinos put out, and the like the like gigantic chunk of Christmas music that Sufjan Stevens has, but mostly for his original stuff. The other stuff, it's it's fun, it's quaint, it's fine, but I really, I really like it when he actually writes a christmas song himself and injects his personality into the music a little bit more did you go to that aladdin show Heck yeah i did it was what, so fun that woman that was uh the snowman was like totally out of it like out yeah. of sight i mean it was like amazing like it was yeah. crazy yeah um, it was that was a great show because i've seen i've seen him play two other times and they've both been in concert halls and very like very choreographed very regimented and then you've got him in this just small space with just chaos everywhere and a giant wheel on stage and just starts climbing on climbing on speakers while he's singing songs it's great yeah eric any christmas 
songs that are uh, I mean we we've, we've the last couple of years like we've started the the tradition and the, the kids always request is one from when I was a kid which is the 12 pains of christmas which was like a novelty song and it's a it's these you know the first thing at Christmas that's such a pain to me is finding a Christmas tree. And then it just goes on from there and it's all like, you know, hang oh, over. Parody song. Rig, rig, yeah. Rigging up the lights. It's, it's, but it's so, it's funny. And like the kids are always like, that's like, that's one of the first things we have to listen to. My wife has the, um, for as long as I've known her, like she always wants to listen to, uh, there's the Muppets and John Denver, which we listen to every, we listen to that every year as we're putting the tree up. That's like the first one that kind of kicks off the season. So those are, uh, yeah. So it's like an old tradition and now the new tradition has <laughs> kind of come together. Yeah. How about you, Joey? Well, I mean, you know, I grew up, I was talking to a journalist the other day and what I remember the most was just sitting around the piano with my mom. Mm. who had a voice very similar to Julie Andrews. And I know she was a fan because we had Julie Andrews Christmas album. So we listened to that, but my mom's voice is amazing. And we would just sit around and just play all the traditional songs. And those, that's what I remember the most and, and loving the most. Um, and then later on, uh, <laughs> and we did, you know, it's not like we bought a lot of Christmas albums, but there was one year my mom came home with a cassette of uh, a new England Christmas tide and it's all instrumentals and they're all the, the popular song that you've heard over and over again, but because it was instrumental and it was, you know, mandolin, violin, banjo, guitar, fiddle, it was just more uh, digestible. And I really enjoyed that. Um, and it kind of stuck with me. Um, but I do love Phil Spector's, you know, I, I heard it just this morning. We put on sort of just like a potpourri of whatever, and I, I mean, I love the room sound and the, and the arrangements and the way the horns and everything sounds and the vocals and the drums. It's just, it's the best. Or Sinatra. I mean, Sinatra singing, it's so great. Um, and then, you know, I, I, did, I did listen to some Julie Andrews this morning too. And just to kind of like hear her voice and I was feeling nostalgic. And so that was kind of cool. Um, what else do I like? I like all the records you guys mentioned too. You know, they're really beautiful. Um, beautiful albums. I have a good so, friend who's yeah. who he has uh, he, with his mom. They used to have like this big Christmas party on Christmas Eve back in Baltimore every year, and it was like all of his friends would show up, and there would be like all this singing. And every every year since I've known him, which we only met him when we were out here in in Portland, but we would get these uh, voicemails that would just be like on Christmas Eve of like that whole room just singing and the piano kind of like barely coming through. And it was always just like, it was so great. So he would just call all of his friends and like, they couldn't be there with him and, and like get a little piece on there. It was so, it was so awesome. That's and, so good. Yeah, it was great. It is. What's your thoughts on must be Santa by Bob Dylan? Bad. Oh, I love it. My, my, kids, my kids love that out. They love that whole album. Oh God. It's so That's good. my least favorite <laughs> Christmas Santa's, song. I like must be Santa too. Yeah. <laughs> Joe, any verdict on that one? Or? No, I don't, I don't, you know, I haven't heard that one. I know he put out a holiday record, but it's a little too close to home. I don't know. Christmas my wife heart. is not the biggest, she's not the biggest Dylan fan. So I have to really be, I have to be uh, smart about when I, I put on Dylan. Sneak out exactly. in the garage and <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I haven't listened to that one yet. I I knew that he put one out, but and that's, that's just the thing. There's so many Christmas albums now, so it was hard thinking about you know doing a holiday record because there's just so much already out there. So I apologize for flooding it even more. 
<laughs> the press release That's talks about how it's less specifically Christmas and more holiday. Yeah. I heard that there's two different kinds of Christmas albums or holiday albums. There's one that's all about that, the traditions, doing the covers, making it sound as warm and cozy as you can. And then there's ones that are just more like Sufjan Stevens writing his own songs, which I love. I love that approach and that are more creative. Yeah. Cause you toss like a couple of covers in there. I know there's a Petty cover and a John Lennon cover. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 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 And, and, you know, I hadn't, I'd never heard of Tom Petty's uh, song, Christmas song, uh, Christmas, it's uh, Christmas all over again. And Sergio is a, that's his favorite song. So I said, of course, this is my Christmas gift to you. Let's do it. Come on. And we did. And it was fun. And the Lennon song, I just felt like it was the first track that we recorded in the session. And it sort of culminated like the whole experience where I, and the direction in which I wanted to go. being socially conscious, conscious, and it, you know, being one foot in tradition and then the other kind of just being experimental and trying things. So, yeah. well, it's, uh, it's brought some cheer to my house already. So at least oh, one person cool. can, one yeah. person can vouch for it. Um, so my kids, we, yeah. li- we listened to it for the first time today and my kids are like, I remember these songs. Yeah. <laughs> and they were just like, you know, I, it was kind of funny for them. And my wife had not heard it yet. And I wanted it to be a surprise. So we today, got to today, today. today was a day mm-hmm. as we put the tree up. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. Is it in there? There it yeah, is. There it is. Yeah. And it, it went over well with the wife. Yeah. I think she liked it. She said it's better, better than my <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's a measured yeah. response. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, it's true. I mean, she kind of likes the stuff that I do, but she's more excited about putting out the Christmas lights outside the house than, than are music your, sometimes. Are your daughter's voices on it on the last track too? Yeah, they yeah. are. Yeah, yeah. They're on the, on a song called Mi Burrito Sabanero, which is a song. It's another cover song from a guy named Hugo Blanco and a bunch of people have covered it, including Gavin Moreno, who, who is featured on that track and the girls they're on there. I, I, uh, <laughs> I went to their bedroom and I said, Hey, can I, can I record you guys singing? And they're like, Okay, how long is this going to take? And so after three takes, after three takes, they're like, "We're done." <laughs> it's like you, it's like you, they don't realize yet that their dad has maybe one of the coolest jobs in the world, and uh, <laughs> it's just an imposition at this moment. <laughs> it's it's such a strange thing, as I'm sure you all know. It's sort of like it's more like, oh, yeah. I I mean, I think they're sort of curious about it, and they are superstars. All right, the kids are the superstars, so. Um, Twyla wants to get a drum set, so I'm working on that right now. Yeah, Hell that's yeah. our little secret. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, Eric's kids, your kids play like they have like a little mini band going that's been going on for a couple of years, right? I mean, so, yeah, yeah. They, <laughs> I mean, band, yeah. They, there was a point, yeah, where they were they they went through a couple names. The first name was the Sharts. <laughs> oh God! Jesus. Oh my God! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was. Uh, I was pretty proud of that one, but they they they've settled on something more appropriate, like the dragons. So, that, but that was that was years ago. Now they now they play. They both play. We, a, a friend of ours has uh, we play in a band with. Like has brought over his Hammond M3 to put in the basement. And so nice. the kids have been doing their piano lessons on the Hammond, and so they've been like 
they, you know, they, they've been having a lot of fun with that. Like playing, they sort of had this competition where it's like, I like one of them's like, Oh, that's my song that I'm learning. And the other one's like, well, look, I'm going to learn it. And, so, and then they, and so it's, they're both like trying to see who plays it better, which is kind of funny. My kid is yeah, it's good. No, 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 go ahead. Sorry. This, my kid's such a punk because he was learning how to play the piano and then he stopped. And um, I'm learning now. And um, I've been working on speaking about Bill and Ballad of a Thin Man. So I've been working on the intro. I mean, I, mean, I can play it now, but I was doing the whole like uh, B minor to G, like dun, 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 dun. And he likes that. He's like, oh, you teach me how to play it. So uh, he's only seven. So like today, like he's just doing the whole like, uh, he can do the bass notes and then the chords shift back and forth. Like I taught it to him last night and he was doing it. Then he's like, okay, I'm done. I don't play piano anymore. I'm like, you can, you can play for a lease. Why don't you keep doing it? He's like, oh, I don't want So it's just kind of, <laughs> I don't know. But um, let's, uh, let's have you introduce your, like we always have a guest um, bring a topic. Why don't you introduce it and then also introduce the first song so we can take a break and then um, we can listen to the song and come back. So why don't you tell sure. us a little about the topic and your first song. We'll go from there. So you guys asked me to come up with the topic and I, I, sh- I shot you guys a couple ideas. And one of them, one of my favorite things is talking about minor blues um, and kind of where it comes from. And um, I think I know, but then again, who knows, right? But I think a lot of the minor blues that I like, especially originates from the East, probably, you know, as East as you can go, India. And there was a movie that came out in the 90s called Lacho Drum or Safe Journey by Tony Gatliff. And it totally changed my life because it's a documentary showing the sort of like gypsy music from, from India through the Middle East, through Eastern Europe, Europe, and then it ends in Spain with flamenco. And I just think it's a really beautiful movie. And it kind of got me thinking about this thread of minor blues that goes around the world. And that's one of the reasons why I love Latin music so much because there's a lot of minor songs. And, um, so I think we're going to play a song right now. If it's number one, I can't remember what I chose, but it's one of the songs on, on the soundtrack from the movie from a Romanian gypsy group called Taraf de Hadux. And I don't know if I can pronounce the song, but it's about the, the dictator. It's, I think it's like the ballad, the, the dictator. Um, and the lyrics are great. I mean, it just sort of talks about, um, the dictator and about how the university students um, like leaves from a tree uh, spreading leaflets and information to help overthrow this dictator, which I thought was fitting for having just come after this November general election. All right, we'll check the song out and we'll be back in a few. Thank you. Mă ceaușesc cu criminalul Ala de-a mâncat amalul 
Ceaușescu Niculae ne-ar țară În văpaie ne-ar țară That was uh, Taraf de Hadux, uh, the song is Balada Conduca Tatoruli, if I'm pronouncing it right, that sounded you pretty bad. You nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> and it's from the film uh, Taraf de Hadux, sorry, it's from the film Latodrom, which means safe journey. Yeah, you know, the funny thing is I saw that movie in college when it came out, and I haven't seen it since, and it really kind of, it really kind of struck me, because it follows the, like the the Roma people from India across Europe, like in the kind of the migratory pattern that they end up in Spain and kind of each selection comes from a different country in Europe and the music kind of evolves. I mean, the first stuff from India kind of does sound like music from India and then it kind of ends up in the flamenco in, in Spain. And uh, I brought this because this is like one of my prized CDs. Um, Ooh, nice. I had this, I had a special order of this from France in the mid nineties. Like I had to get someone at a record store to actually get this for me. And, uh, I, I, just, I absolutely love it. So it's, it's, it's fantastic. Well, thanks you, for letting me share it. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's, it's a really fitting song, you know, especially thinking about, um, 
you know, when I first heard the music, it was from a mixtape when I was on tour with Giant Sand in Europe. And I just loved it. Um, I love, I love the sounds. I love, you know, the fact that some of these, normally this band, Taraf de Hadouks, is a massive string orchestra with several accordions, uh, one bass player. Uh, there's also the hammer dulcimer, which you heard on that last track. It's called a chimbalom. And, um, and there might be a percussionist or something, but, um, they're amazing. And, um, so I've just, I've been blown away by this band ever since. And there was one time at a Canadian folk festival in Calgary that Giant Sand got to share the stage. It's sort of like a, a workshop stage where they encourage people to perform together. And we did, and it was, it was amazing. So I got to meet that singer and, um, and I just, I, I love the voice. I love the technique of that kind of strange kind of um, scratching sound is uh, if people who are listening don't know what it is. Um, it's a, it looks like a, a string hair from the, from the bow, which is fastened to the bridge and he's fingering the notes on the fretboard, but he's pulling this rosin string to make sort of like a, a kind of like a, a guttural goat sound in a way it's kind of haunting it sounds like he's pulling like if you have like one of those strings it sounds like he's pulling the string apart that's what i thought he was doing at first was it was like he was unraveling the string i was like what is happening that's what what, (laughs) it's like it's so awesome yeah i just love you know the the imagination here's two musicians and, and one of them is a singer giving this really beautiful story about students um, trying to overthrow a dictator and being met with bullets. I mean, and it's, and it's just sort of like this haunting uh, depiction of a scene and it's very poetic as well. Um, You can find a version on YouTube where it's got the visuals and it has some words translated, some of the lyrics translated into English. And I encourage anyone out there to to take a listen and, and watch too. It's, it's really, it's really inspirational. Yeah, I mean, he's singing about uh, Nikolai Ceausescu, who is uh, mm-hmm. one of the the strongmen tradition that uh, our former or soon to be former president uh, likes to fashions himself after. Um, so it, it, I, I was going to ask you why you chose this one, but I can I think I probably know. Maybe it has something to do with that. Yeah, <laughs> oddly oddly enough, this song you know, which I've been listening to for you know thirty years, it's um, you know it's kind of fitting, and it's and I think it's a good reminder. To, that uh, our democracy is a fragile thing. Mm-hmm. What do you guys think? Uh, was your, I know you guys are con- new to this, right? Yeah. Drum. yeah, absolutely. I I really enjoyed it. It's a very stressful song, <laughs> though. That sound of that string, kind of like it sounds like it's just being like ripped apart. You're exactly right on that. On like that description, it's very it's very uh, anxiety inducing, but it's a very good song. It's super haunting um to to go uh to go back sort of a step uh i had talked about that review refused show that i saw as like one of the last shows that i caught and uh in rereading that i remembered something that uh, the front person of that band said he was like you know we we wrote all of these really political songs and at the time we thought we were being really dramatic Mm -hmm. but at this point all of these songs are just coming true now and it's terrifying and that, those songs are much newer, but it's still the same thing. It's 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 horrifying to see those themes recur in in the present. Yeah, I mean, this, 
this is a group of people who has historically been persecuted no matter what country yeah. they go to. So if you get to the, I mean, the second to last song is probably my favorite, El Pajaro Negro, which is, means the black bird. And it's like mm-hmm. the traditional kind of um, flamenco type song with the hand clapping and the mm-hmm. very melodramatic kind of singing. But if it's just, if you look at the lyrics, it's just like they're, they're yeah. heartrending. I mean, there's a song on here called Auschwitz, which I'm sure is not a happy you know song. Um, so it's like, it's, yeah. And it's, and it's sung by a woman who's uh who survived Auschwitz and it's the song that they the ladies and you know the gypsy women would sing in the camp and um I'm I'm when you you can see the video online and you can kind of study her face and and I'm curious to see if the listeners uh who do uh what they read as far as her emotion yeah, thank God for YouTube because I couldn't find this movie for years, and it's still hard to find yeah, anywhere. Yeah. So you can watch it. What do you think, Eric? Yeah, uh, yeah, it was great. I mean, it's it's a beautiful. I mean, I I think. I mean, having the added, the the visual of it is is I, it feels important to that song and like you know the mm-hmm. the camera moves up into those trees there and it's like a very beautiful moment and the wind is just blowing and you know just watching that kid standing there. I mean, it's like a really uh, it, it looks like a, a beautiful movie. I don't know if it's, I, I, I don't gather that it's particularly uplifting. I don't know. Maybe, I mean, or maybe just the fact of the, the music being made even in, in these dark moments is part of that part of the story. But um, it, yeah, it's, it's awesome. And I, I, I'm also like, this is, it seems really superficial, but there's really? something, there's something interesting to me about that guy sitting there in that full suit and like playing this beautiful music under this tree and just, I don't know. It's just, I can't, it's really done up. Like I could barely, you know, I'm like, <laughs> I barely it's, changed, you know, clothes styles throughout the week. And I'm like, we're, we're the same shit all the time. This guy's like done up and looks great. And like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you can see this picture here, this is that song Pajaro Negro. For those of you who can't see, it's a picture of two people, like kind of like on a, like an over, like they're looking over a city. And it's just, mm, yeah. this is great for the listeners, Dave. No, I'm, I'm explaining <laughs> what it is. You know, it's just, it's just, it's, it is a visually stunning movie. And then these hand claps are also from like, uh, oh, nice. Next year, but uh, yeah, I, I, it's, if you can, I mean, if you can piece it together on YouTube, I would, uh, I would recommend it. Um, so, Joey, how does that? How did the, this music or the music of the Romani like tie into your um, the minor blues? I guess idea. Yeah. So, you know, I've, I've been, you know, moderately influenced and and in interested in finding some of the sources and roots. And I mean, I really haven't like gone out there and. Uh, and dove into like tons of books and things, but it's more just sort of noticing things when I travel or when I do listen to music and finding certain musical connections or bridges that resonate with me. Right. So I realized I'd be talking about this topic with you all. And, and I was thinking that, Oh, I'd have tons of time to prepare and read up and make notes. And then <laughs> I've been doing some other things and, but, um, what I think is interesting is that, uh, you know, the Roma people or gypsies, they've been, um, they've been part of so many cultures in so many different countries and they've had profound effect in, in, in all those countries and music and, and everything. And so I just think that it's, um, I think it's really fitting to kind of know like, okay, so here are people who have no home, right? They're not just refugees or immigrants they their home is just 
on their back or just in their caravan or just themselves. And I think that's a really important thing just to kind of uh, take into consideration these days. And um, it is ironic that we're sort of kind of seeing some of these uh, returning of fascist uh, direction with governments and whatnot, and that uh, immigrants and refugees uh, are being, you know, being forced out of their homes. And so for me, there is a tale of sadness. And I understand, you know, Eric and Holly, your, your take on, on the fact that it's sort of anxiety inducing or sort of, it's not an uplifting song, but for me, I just find myself being drawn to people's stories and um, both happy and, and uplifting stories, but also sort of stories that are serious and that kind of tell uh, us, you know, maybe something that is uh, heartbreaking or has been traumatic. And, and I'm curious how those things can influence music, like a band like mine or, or say someone else's or a band like Beirut. Um, I think that, I'm just, I'm really drawn to that. So um, I've been curious where the minor blues actually came from, but I realized that it's just the evolution of all things intersecting and coming together, going east, going back west, north and south, and picking up different um, uh, characteristics along the way. And that in itself is music. And I think that's a beautiful thing. And this is just one slice of, of this massive musical uh, spectrum that we have yeah there aren't many cultural cultures i mean back to like the romani thing like that kind of span uh, like so many different i mean it's like one genre but it's not in a, at the same time because I mean, as you listen to the sure if you listen to the cd or watch the movie like i said like the first stuff sounds like it's almost like indian raga and yeah. then the last stuff is just like that straight like like i said like, like the hand claps and the then the, 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 the nylon string guitar kind of thing with the, the flamenco and it's um, and before and before they go to spain they go to france and belgium right. where quote-unquote gypsy jazz Django reinhardt uh became popular and still there's still i know some people this guy named kunda Kauter who's playing beautiful music that sounds right up you know that kind of genre of uh gypsy jazz and and so i think that's really interesting right um so our interpretation from afar we have certain we recognize certain aspects and maybe we don't recognize others. Holly, you're, you're a fan of Beirut, I think, right? Or were you not? Oh yeah. I remember. And Holly, are you too? I think I thought I who you were. Yeah. And like, do you hear any elements in his music from that? Like one song that we listen to or. Yeah, absolutely. I hear, I hear it. Uh, I definitely hear it in like the music of Beirut. Uh, I hear it in the music of, uh, of the band, a hawk and a hacksaw. A lot. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah where sure. it's just very, very deeply influenced by all of these Balkan sounds. And it's, yeah. it's such an interesting collection of instruments and ways of making music that feels so completely divorced from a lot of music that gets made in America. And it's, it's very evocative stuff that it feels also very timeless. And I appreciate that about it a lot. Mm-hmm. Me too. Did you, are they part of the Nutri-Milk Hotel, those guys? Yeah, uh, they're part, they're, I don't think they're part of Nutrimilk Hotel, but they're definitely part of the okay. Elephant Six Collective. I know that one of the Barnes children is in that band. Yeah, Jeremy. Yeah, yes. Jeremy. Yes. I think he played at Nutrimilk Hotel as well. Um, 
and he's a friend and we've done shows in Europe and in the States. And whenever we play in New Mexico, if we're all at the same time, in the same place, we hang out, have a meal. Um, and I love the fact that in, you know, from Albuquerque, you've got these musicians like Zach and Jeremy and, and Heidi who have gone to, <laughs> to the Balkans or to uh, Bulgaria or Romania and have, you know, learn music from this other culture and country and language. It's, it's astounding. It you don't, you don't need us for a band. If you've got friends like Mark Kelly and, yeah. you know, yeah. these guys like, <laughs> give me friends with you. Uh, you know? Yeah. 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 One, another band that kind of came to mind is, and I don't know if you, like, we, we, we're big fans of Pickathon. I don't know if you know that festival up here in, in Oregon. I sure do. Okay. And I can't wait to play there. If you could put in a good word for, for whatever, if they need somebody from Boise or from Tucson, I know. Oh, a bunch. We can easily put in a good word. We can do that. We've had the, the festival founder on the show three times now. Yeah. He's our only yeah. three Pete. Yeah. So, um, but, uh, was, uh, we had there was a band called Daka Baraka, which was from were they from Ukraine? Is that where they were from? Or were they I think so. Uh, I think oh yeah, so. yeah. I'm sorry, that's a whole second. Yeah, we did and a festival that, with them once too. Yeah, and they were. I mean, like I guess they caught on because then they came back here like four times since. With like, well, who uh, was the Turkish band that played a year or two ago? Oh, Turkish geez, psych band. Yeah. They were so yeah. good. Uh, Why am I blanking on yeah. that? Narwin? No, 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 no not no. Narwin. No, no, no. I, I. I'll, it'll come to me in a minute. I'm, I'm, I'm still thinking about the throat singers from Tuba that were here. Oh um, yeah, but uh, yeah, I know you're talking about the, the Turkish psych band. You saw that they're they're fantastic. I mean, that's the cool thing about those types of fests. It's like I love music festivals where they do reach out and have international guests. Like Jupiter and Aquas was another band that was here. Oh, was oh they were so good. And it's not just like you're you're the, the you know. Like, I feel like with music festivals, like we did this American thing where we. Media, make it mediocre and just have like, the same like five bands like play yeah. all, all the festivals. Who is it? <laughs> Alton Al- Al- Gun. Oh Alton yeah, yeah. They're, they're great too. But yeah, you're you're a hundred percent. It's right. It's it's nice for it to not be the same ten artists every time and to just like geek out about throat singers being like the big draw for a festival where everyone's like oh you gotta see this that's the thing you gotta see or or that was it dungan like were they from they're from sweden or something oh yeah doing like a shadow puppet soundtrack like like a soundtrack to an old shadow puppet movie from the yeah yeah it's just great um for those people at home joey that don't know music very well how would you define the minor blues well, okay, so I'm going to I'm going to w- walk you over to my piano, which used to be our dining room area. <laughs> and uh, I'll get the light switch on here. But um so music that is major is happy sounding. So here's C major for you. <laughs> right? So that's happy music, right? Little obla di obla da right there. <laughs> And uh, so music that is minor, you take the major third. So if it's in the key of C, you go from C to E. That's a major third. If you take that interval and you flatten it by one uh, half note, then it becomes. And then it becomes. So uh, minor, kind of sad, maybe melancholic, uh, could be sorrowful, could just be um, 
I don't know, meditative is what I usually call it. So does that make sense in a little bit? Yes. You know, yes. happy and sad, happy and sad. <laughs> so we're, we're, we're looking, even though we're talking, uh, we started off with a, a festive conversation. We're not looking at, at, at sad music. Or, or, yeah. yeah. Because well, the duality of life. Yeah. 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 It was stressful. I mean, like all those, like it started out looking pretty bad and then uh, the numbers started to come in a little bit more. And it was just, yeah. yeah was like, that first yeah. night I was inconsolable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh, but, yeah. But you um, moved from one red state to another. I mean, like, they, you left and then it went blue and now you're in. Yeah. You know, and, uh, and that's okay. Um, yeah. it's, it's been a change, but, you know, having minor music to listen to makes everything better. <laughs> Off the top of your head, what percent of Calexico songs would you say are in a minor key versus a major key? Ninety uh, <laughs> <laughs> percent. Minor. Yeah. yeah, I have to work really hard to make a major song, like a song in a major key. It's I have to, I I have to consciously do it because oh, yeah. I just I. I just want to be in, in the minor mode. And so what will happen a lot of times here at home um, and especially preparing for this album seasonal shift is I will be playing some, just some chords and ideas on the piano and my daughters will come up and say, dad, um, your music is making me feel really sad. Could you <laughs> try something different or just take a break? Yeah. Even like, uh, isn't your cover of alone again or in, is an E minor, right? Or... Yeah. That's a, that's a minor. It, it's major and minor. And that's, and there's something beautiful about that too. So with just like straight minor blues, um, and if you want me to go to the piano again, I can just to show you if people know what blues are, it's, it's sort of like, um, well, I think you all, everyone knows what the blues are and it's basically starting on in the tonic or the first chord of whatever key you're in. And then you go to the fourth chord. So it's one, four, five. And, uh, so if you're in the key of C, C major, C is the, is the root. F would be the fourth chord and then uh, G would be the fifth chord. So the minor blues, uh, you can do several different ways. It could be you're in the key of C minor and then F minor would be your four chord. And then the five chord could either be a major chord or a dominant seven chord. And that would be a G. You could try it in G minor as well. Um, but it's just, uh, there's different scales or modes of minor melodic minor, harmonic minor, there's different modalities as well. And I think that's why I really gravitate towards music that comes from different countries and cultures because their interpretation of notes and harmony is much different because they have different scales and mm -hmm. notes. I was so going to make a joke and say, I guess that's why they call it the blues. You know? <laughs> yeah. That's a good one. No. Yeah. I'm super fascinated with the, like, blues from africa when you got like the the people from like mali and yes. uh yeah. and like yeah. the, it's like what makes that distinctive versus like american blues like what, what, is there like a do they use I the same kind of chord progression or the same I think scales that their or? scale i think their scales are different and 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 i say i say blues but i could have just said like minor music but it just it's kind of more appealing if i say the minor blues because there is minor blues but i think the music of especially north africa like in mali they don't necessarily always go to a resolving to a um similar chord progression like we would a, a 12 bar blues or minor blues 
they would just maybe just stay on one chord, <laughs> maybe shift to a second chord. And so it feels like after three minutes, like you've been listening to something for five, it feels like it's been longer than three minutes. And that to me is also really appealing and sort of, and it makes you feel like you're in sort of a trance or it's meditative and it's, it becomes hypnotic in a way too. Do you have any favorites from that region? Yeah, I mean, I love Amadou and Mariam. I love, oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I love Bambino. Uh, he's not really from Mali, but he's from Niger. And um, and on this record, we got to do a song with him, which was really fantastic. Um, Sergio, I keep talking about Sergio, orchestra, from Orchestra Mendoza, and also Calexico. Sergio Mendoza had done a couple festivals um, and got to meet Bambino, and so he. Uh, contacted Bambino's manager and was able to make that collaboration happen on a song called Heart of Downtown. And it was a real pleasure getting to to hear tracks back from, from someone that I admire so much. Hmm. I think, Eric, you discovered Amadou and Mariam from the show because it came up on like my shuffle. That was the... Yes. Yeah, I forget what song it was, but yeah, uh, that's... Uh, it wasn't the one that was produced by Damon Albarn. It was on that same album, though, but it wasn't Savali because I sent you that one later and you didn't like it as much. But he, it, yeah. was like, it was something off of there. But, yeah. Um, it was a couple years ago. Uh, <laughs> I heard about ago. Amadou and Mariam through, um, through Manu Chow having produced them. And, um, and it, I, I just, I thought that was a great collaboration as well. And... Um, yeah, I mean, and I got to I got to see Amadou and Marion play too, which was incredible. Um, and uh, they're really a great band. Speaking of Manu Chow, I know his his song was last on your list. You want to do his yeah. song now, and then we sure, can check it out. And then we can talk about I think him. That's sure. a great idea. Okay, because uh, you know, I wanted to I wanted to talk about you know minor music and, and sort of the roots to Latin and, and minor music, and it and it you know. I'm so glad we're talking about Mali and Amadou and Mariam because certainly African uh, influence on music around the world is so crucial to our sense of rhythm. And um, so Manu Chow had produced this record for Amadou and Mariam and uh, his record Clandestino is just one of my favorite all-time records. And uh, I love not only his music, but the fact that he's singing in different languages and addressing a lot of social uh, causes around the world and, and actually is physically getting involved and going to places. I, uh, the last time I saw him was in Phoenix, Arizona. I went up to go see him play because um, he was protesting uh, Sheriff Joe Arpaio and um, had, you know, recently actually, pardoned, recently pardoned Sheriff Joe Pyle, right? Yeah. Only the best oh, guy. Was he pardoned? He, of course he was. You know, it's like, <laughs> of course. And he also <laughs> lost his, uh, his election, this last election. So that's, yeah, that's did. really good. I love how that's someone really can get out of jail and then run for office. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's like if you're African American in this country and you get convicted of something, you can't vote. But yeah. if you, you know, if you, like, go but you can definitely run to be <laughs> a governor or a sheriff or anything like this. What was he or running tried. for this time? Was it Senator uh, or was it? Yeah, I don't, uh, I, I didn't follow that part. Yeah, I'm sorry. I should. Yeah. Um, I was thinking about Trump trying to run again four years down the road. Um, but uh, yeah, I forget what office he was running for, but he lost. And that's all that really matters. 
Hopefully that'll be the end of him. But Manu Chow is great. So I saw him there and he was uh, raising uh, funds and awareness for a group there called Alto Arizona, which were um, standing up for uh, immigrants, especially from Latin America. And this was in response to SB 1070, which has had a lot of racial profiling in its bill. And there was a movement uh, back around then that was a boycott, right? It was called the Sound Strike, I think. And uh, Mano Chow, through a mutual friend, reached out and said, hey, what's going on inside of Arizona? And I told him, I said, you know, there's, I think it would be great to have more people come here like yourself or anyone else to sort of spread a positive word to voters, right? So he did. He did it on his own. And um, so uh, kudos to Mano Chow. When he was there, he was signing posters the whole time. He's working. And they didn't have much money, so they put up the band and, and the small crew in a, in a hostel. And the guy, he's just, he's, he's real. You know, he's a real human being who really cares. And I think that really matters most. So let's hear the song Clandestino, the title track from one of his fantastic records. Solo voy con mi pena, sola va mi condena, correré mi destino para burlar la ley, perdido en el corazón de la grande Babilón. Me dicen el clandestino por no llevar papel, pa' una ciudad del norte yo me fui a trabajar. La dejé entre Ceuta y Gibraltar Soy una raya en el mar Fantasma en la ciudad Mi vida va prohibida Dice la autoridad Solo voy con mi pena Sola va mi condena Correré mi destino Por no llevar papel Perdido en el corazón de la grande Babilón Me dicen el clandestino Yo soy el quebra ley Mano negra clandestina Peruano clandestino Africano clandestino Marihuana ilegal Solo voy con mi pena Sola va mi condena Correré mi destino para burlar la ley Perdido en el corazón de la grande papilón Me dicen el clandestino por no llevar papel Argelino clandestino, nigeriano clandestino Boliviano clandestino, mano negra ilegal Name. I think it was released somewhere on 98 or something like that. That's his first solo album after he was with Mano Negro for a while, I believe. And then. Yeah. 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 I mean, I came to him with uh, the next one, La 
was it? La Proxima Estación Esperanza, mm-hmm. I believe. And I mean, I, the way I describe his music, uh, and I mean this in the in the best terms, is it, it's what I felt like if I was going insane, what my brain would be doing. Um, <laughs> it's like, you know, he's speaking in five different languages. There's like a child in Spanish on the second album, like asking his mother how like the, the seed gets into the mother to make the baby. Uh, there's like a, a song about a cow with bad milk. Um, it's just like, uh, it's, 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 it's totally out there. Um, I didn't really love the third one, uh, Radio Lina. I don't know if that one was next. Yeah. And I've seen him in live, and he just totally kills it every time. He's he's massive, isn't he? I mean, like in the world, yeah. like I seem to recall seeing him playing in just huge stadiums. Yeah, I think so. Argentina, probably. Yeah, I mean, uh, he's but French, also isn't he, isn't he French or is he? Uh, his parents, he's they uh, they fled uh, Marcos. Uh, uh, Marcos era of Spain. They were their teachers, and so they fled to France. So he's Spanish, but he grew up in France. I see. Yeah, and he's like, I mean, he's fantastic. Like, well, last time I saw him here it was the Crystal Ballroom, and it was just people were just sweating and jumping. I mean, it's yeah. like, you know, I, I I feel like he's kind of attracted, and this is I don't mean this in a great way, the the, the Michael Franti crowd a little bit. Yeah. But, uh, oh yeah. But I, I, you know, he's. I, I think I saw him at Bonnaroo once, and it was amazing too. Have you get? Do you guys know yeah. him at all? Like Eric or Holly? Have you heard him or heard of him? I haven't seen him. I just. I, I remember uh, just a, a guy who I, I knew in, when I lived in Baltimore had talked about him, and and that was the first time I'd ever been introduced to him. Um, so that probably would have been this record because I recognized the the cover. Um, but yeah. that's what I remember I had seen like footage of him, and he was just like he was. I mean, he seemed like a real, like, true global superstar in, like, every sense of the word. Like, he just, uh, like, seemed to be known everywhere. Yeah, what's interesting to me, too, is that in the band uh, before this, uh, Mano Mano Negra, it was a big band, and and it was a big sound. And what I thought was really appealing was that um, on this record, they pulled back on the on the drums and the bass and everything. And it's just, it's, it's much more simplistic and modern. And so like on the song, when you listen to it, um, it's sort of childlike in a way, right? It's really simple and playful and those kind of strange, uh, like video game sounds and uh, snippets kind of coming down, uh, from the speakers. And, um, I really appreciated that. And it allowed me to really listen to his voice and, and focus on, some of the the smaller elements because there's not a lot there is you're not being bombarded with uh, big drums and bass. And I, I thought production wise, it was, it was a really beautiful move. I thought then, but then when you go to see him in concert, then there is a full drummer and bass player and it's just, it's big and loud and kind of leans more towards the mono negra sound. So I've always wondered if he would ever do anything sort of stripped down and then that show that I saw him in Phoenix, it was just, um, I think it was just three of them. It was just two guitarists and a percussionist. It was beautiful. It was really, really beautiful. When you guys listen to music and, um, I mean, it, I guess it, 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 any of us, when you listen to music that's not in a language that you know, like how, what, what do you, like, where did, your brain has to do something a little bit different. Like, how do you, like, how, how do you listen to a song that's not in English or a language you don't understand? Um, I, I guess in the, the most basic sense, it's a, it's a lot more interpreting 
like rudimentary emotion being conveyed by tone rather than what's actually being said. Um, with with some acts like Cigaros, I definitely I view the lyrics and the just the vocals themselves as more of an instrument than an actual message delivery service of any sort. Mm. If that makes sense. Completely. That's a great example too, Sigur Ross. Yeah. And just with all the effects that goes on. Yeah. A friend of ours did front of house sound for them for a number of years. And it was really fun just to kind of oh, get to go see the show and hear about it. But I mean, it's, it's otherworldly. There's so much ambience, yeah. right? It's, it's kind of been, it's mind boggling uh, just how ambient it is. Yeah, they, that's one act where they don't even quite feel human a lot of the time. It's it's easy to lose track of the fact that it's actual, real, just normal people who make those sounds because it just there's times where it just sounds like it sounds like alien whale, whale song in some way. So good, the best alien whale songs. <laughs> Absolutely. I think I've brought this up on the show before, but I'm just gonna tell a story again because it's real fat, real brief. Oh, I saw one. when I saw them at Bonnaroo at like one o'clock in the morning they went on and they were having like sound problems and they were fighting in Icelandic. And it was just like, kind of like humorous to like see them arguing in this like other language. Uh, you know, you don't understand, but they get a point at the ass and like kind of shouting at each other. Uh, <laughs> you know, you can get the, you can get the residents of what's going on, but yeah. it's like, you don't, I don't know. It's just, it's, that's brilliant. That's, that's really funny. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. How, yeah. about you, Eric? How about you, Eric? When you listen to stuff, and or... I mean, like, I, because I'm a uh, because I'm a terrible person. Like, I don't li- like lyrics are uh, not as like front of mind for me when I'm listening to any music in general. Like, it's in general, I'm uh, it's it's like I like. I like rap music, but I like very rarely pick up on the words that are being said. Like I'm always like fascinated by the fact that I go to a hip hop show and there's like, everybody knows every single word and they're rapping along with the person. And I'm like, I don't, I'm not picking up on 10% of this, but like, I still love the music because wow. there is like something that there's something about it that uh, like, it's still registering. Like, like, so it's, the the cadence or whatever it all sort of blends together similar to like listening to Seagull Rose uh it's like that for me for all music <laughs> just because I mean like yeah. I pick up that's I fascinating up, yeah I mean I pick up on words and stuff but I'm not like it's not something I'm honed in on in, in general mm-hmm. so like listening to foreign very music much is a, like a great, lyrics yeah. person yeah <laughs> I'm sure Joey's seen people at Clexco shows singing along to like Flores and Tamales and not knowing the words, but still kind of like yeah, going going and going for it, you know. Or or the words in English, and we're yeah. performing, you know, in various parts around the world. Uh, but Eric, you know, I'm I'm kind of like you too. Sometimes I I like to kind of step back and and like what Holly was saying, you know, really kind of allow the tone mm-hmm. to infer what's being expressed and and. And I like doing that within our band or hearing it in other bands or, or projects. I think there's something really beautiful about that. Um, and I, I, and for me, a lot, a lot of times when I'm writing songs, I come up with the music first and then I kind of, I'll sit down and I'll think, all right, so what is this, the mood of this take or this song, you know, what is it calling for? What can I, either I'm going to counterbalance it or I'm going to go with it or what, what do I want to kind of, say here and then i kind of let the mood of a track guide me yeah and um so i i totally relate to to both of what you guys were saying 
When like I've been recently, uh, for some reason I've been listening and I'm, it's, it's our, it's our verboten, one of our verboten bands adjacent oh. here, but I've been listening to the song, uh, uh, new Madrid by uncle Tupelo. I've been <laughs> trying to learn that. I, I was learning that on guitar. Oh no, he's got the shirt on. No, um, <laughs> but I we, can't we, in a Wilco we, jar. We, we talk about Wilco and Weezer too much. And we got to the point where we're just like, we're not allowed to talk about them anymore. Yeah. I got to ten in the Wilco I'm, jar, but I've been listening yeah. to that song and like, and like really, you know, I've always kind of, I've kind of liked the lyrics to that song. Actually, it's one of those songs where like I pick up on some of the lyrics and I'm really drawn to it. But then when I sat down to learn it on guitar and like have the lyrics right in front of me, I'm like, not totally sure what he's singing about in that song, but there is a vibe there that I find very beautiful and very touching. And like the lyrics that I do pick up on and like, I'm bringing, you know, it's weird because I'm, I, for some reason, like when I listen to that song, it makes me very nostalgic for a time in my life, uh, particularly the lions, uh, we we walked uh we walked to the fountain and she held onto my arm which i find to be like this beautiful couplet but then the rest of the song is like kind of it's a little surreal to me some of the things that he's singing about and but it's i don't know you mean like caroms over the landfill yeah caroms yeah. i had to look up I had, I had to look up what caroms were and it's so it's and it's billiards right like i think it's i think it means it's like a billiard ball so, but it's like, it's a beautiful song and I love it, but it's not, you know, because I don't quite connect with it or whatever, it doesn't, it doesn't lose any of that power for me. Wild. Wild stuff. So, yeah. Kelly, what, what connection do you see between Manu Chow and the Lacho Jerome stuff, if anything? Oh gosh. Well, I think that uh, there's, there's a lot. Um, and uh, I think that Manu Chow is probably somebody um, who is a big, you know, fan of music from around the world and various causes and, uh, and has traveled to probably a lot more, uh, unusual countries to either explore or to play concerts acoustically or just, you know, set up in a, in a backyard or, or, or in a bar than most other bands that, that we all know. And I think that is really something special. And so he's really getting to meet people off the beaten path. Uh, and that's something that I really, I, I would love to do more, more of that. Um, and, and uh, so I think that uh, he's looking to all directions, right? West, East, uh, South, maybe North sometimes, but probably doesn't really want to, doesn't need to go to Iceland, but uh, I'm sure he has. But um, so I love all of these influences that are going into his music. And I think, in essence, Lacho Drum, what the movie is saying and what life is showing us is that all music is, is coming together at various points on this road, you know? And, and I think we look to, to the music from, uh, from people that have been through a lot in their lives uh, and to influence uh, uh, other cultures and especially here in the United States, um, where will we be? Uh, where would jazz be? Where would the blues be without this horrible, you know, slave trade in the history of these, of the United States, you know? And, and then I think, so I think Meta Chow is also looking at Europe and its history to, uh, um, to conquering around the world and, and taking over other countries and taking slaves and, I think the positive aspect, if there is even one, 
is that, you know, music is influencing others and creating some, some positive messages out there and experiences. Yeah, I teach a music class and right now I'm teaching about this, like it's just about the 60s this year for my high school students. And uh, we've done three jazz records and they've all been pretty difficult jazz records so far. And I tried to tell the students that that was kind of like the hip hop of the time. Like that was the way that they were able to kind of like say about like what they were dealing with with the civil rights movement and and everything. And, and you know, it's more discordant than the the pop stuff that you're listening to on the radio. And uh it's not, it's not easy to listen to like a Charles Mingus, especially is to him dealing with his mental demon, like mental illness and the demons that he's mm-hmm. kind of suffering from, uh, and put into kind of like musical form. And, you know, uh, a lot of countries, the artists, <laughs> painters, dancers, writers, they're killed <laughs> when there's, yeah. whereas in the, when there's a dictatorship, um, along with <laughs> you name it to uh, so many people in society. So um, I think that's important to keep in mind too. And I think it's interesting that in this, we kind of keep on going back into the political uh, perspective, but I think it's important to really note that these last four years, there's been no art and there's been no expression of music and dance in the white house. Yeah, it's true. They have Scott Bayo and James Woods, right? I mean, that's <laughs> like what I'm saying. There's been no art <laughs> and, and, no, and no dogs either. No it's pets. True. No yeah. pets. Like we, he never talked about movies he was watching. Oh, there you go. There's or a dog. Books he was reading all. Oh, hey, he did, he did honor John Voight. <laughs> there was right. a ceremony in the White House where he honored John Voight. Was, <laughs> I saw video it, footage of it. It's very weird. <laughs> we have had a past podcast guest who has been on Barack Obama's playlist. There's the <laughs> <laughs> been no Donald Trump play. Could you imagine? That would be a fun project. Come up with like Donald Trump's songs of 2020. Oh, <laughs> <what would they, laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> some 80s what is, insert what is insert that Donald do? Trump's dance. <laughs> Well, you what does read he like, do for like enjoyment? What did you read Michael Shannon's thing on him? I mean, I'm not going to say what it is on the air because it's pretty profane, but like what he wakes up thinking about or do you look at Michael Shannon? Oh, yes. Interview in Playboy or something. I forget where it was, but uh, he said that, you know, he doesn't feel bad for that guy at all. But, um, but Joe, you're going to take us to Cuba now, I think, with our next song. This song is actually yeah. not, not political. It's from the Soul tradition, I believe is what it's Yeah, called. it is. Yeah. So, you know, um, it was 2003. Uh, I was over in Europe. And, um, uh, the record company over there, one of the, one of the offices in Amsterdam said, Hey, I think you're going to like this record by, um, by a, a group called Amparanoia. And it's, and it's, and it's fronted by this incredible female singer named Amparo Sanchez. And we did some records together with her eventually. And one day she says, Hey, you know, I know we finished this record in Tucson, but I was really, I was in a, I was, I was lovesick. I was having a hard time or I was heartbroken rather than that lipstick. I was heartbroken and those songs uh, have a certain place, but I want to go to Havana now because I fell in love. And uh, <laughs> this was her second Cuban husband that she was getting married to. And uh, we got to go record some songs in Havana at the Egram studios where the Buena Vista social club recorded with Ry Recruiter, with Ry Recruiter. And I just, I think that, you know, uh, and Mano Chao and Amparo are, are good friends. And, and I know that they share a love of all music around the world, especially Afro-Cuban music, as do I. And growing up uh, playing bass in a high school jazz band, 
I love playing swing. It's great. I love Mingus. I love, I love everything. But when you get to play Latin jazz, the bass uh, figures rhythmically change up and it's just nice to have something different to play. And it's just, it grooves in a different way. And so when this record came out, I was blown away. So I'm going to play a song off this, uh, on the first Buena Vista Social Club record. Uh, it's called El Cuarto de Tula.
Okay, so that was El Cuarto de Tula, The Room of Tula, by the Buena Vista Social Club, um, produced by Ry Cooter. I love the, uh, the sexual innuendo of that song. If you, pay attention to the, if you pay attention to the lyrics, it's basically, you know, this right. woman's room's on fire, she's on fire, you know, you send it. And they call, <laughs> they're actually calling the singers by name to come and put the fire out um, <laughs> in the song. It's pretty amazing. Um, yeah. I've talked about it's this in other shows, but I got to see these guys all, like, because I got into this, like, right when it came out. So uh, I got to see Compay Segundo do a show. I saw Ibrahim Ferrer a couple times. I saw Ruben Gonzalez once. And then I saw, like, the whole Buena Vista Social Club thing. Um, I'm kind of curious about your experience in Cuba. What year were you there? Uh, oh, gosh. 2004, maybe, somewhere around there. Um, okay. We had to go through Mexico to get there. And there was a bit of concern because uh, our original flight there got canceled because of the whatever the epidemic was at the time the whatever the flu was <laughs> swine, swine flu swine flu yeah, yeah swine exactly. flu was later swine flu was like 2008 2009 that's right because you had it yeah i did have it so maybe yeah. it was then yeah it was somewhere around, oh wow uh it was somewhere around there the 2000s yeah <laughs> yeah good in 2008 and maybe it was amazing. No, just Havana. We didn't have time to go to Santiago or anything like that, but um, it was beautiful. And as a musician and being a fan of this record, you know, when I went into that studio, it's, it's so precarious. Some of the, <laughs> the, the, just the, the stairways and passages to get to this, this room. It's kind of amazing. It feels like the whole town 
is held together by, uh, you know, like dental floss or something really fragile. It's, you know, you just <laughs> expect things to fall down from, from, you know, balconies and things. And the sidewalks at the time were not always uh, sidewalks. And so, but it's so charming in a lot of ways. And the music is just, I think it's, it's the best. And um, when I went into the studio and I sat down to that piano that Ruben Gonzalez played and I played it, and it's like, oh my God, there's that sound. This is it, this room, this is the sound. So for a recording as such as this, to really, to use the, the room sound, it's not close mic'd at all. They're capturing the room, they're capturing the essence of, of this breath and this, and, uh, and this music and these performers, which some of them are already retired. So I think, especially now that I'm in my, <laughs> my mid fifties, I appreciate <laughs> that there's some longevity for some musicians out there. Right. Um, <laughs> a lot of these guys were actually obscure at this point. They, uh, yeah. they you know, um, they were brought, yeah, he found them. I think Rykuder found them and brought them back. I mean, a couple of the guys, I mean, the one guy, the piano guy was like so arthritic, like he couldn't barely move. I mean, it was like, they yeah. get him in front of, yeah. like, I remember I saw them. It's like, they like, like had to walk him out onto the stage and he yeah. looked like he was like, you know, like a cry, like they had him in like a cryogenic chamber or something. Yeah. Like walks out on the stage, kind of like barely moving. He sits down in front of the piano. It's just like, it was like unbelievable. Um, I know. I know. But, Imagine what he sounded like, you know, 20, 30 years ago. Uh, before he passed away. Yeah. You know I mean, so it, I feel like it's sort of like a, a real gift to be able to look into the world and go back, you know, 50 years or, or more to, to get some insight into what music that was being made uh, in Cuba might've sounded like. And, you know, the project originally was going to be between some, uh, some other musicians from Mali, Africa, together with Ry Cooter, and and some of the musicians in have in Cuba, but the uh, the African musicians were denied visas going through Mexico, so it ended up being um, something completely different. That uh, Ry Cooter and Nick Gold and some of the other local uh, Cubanos that uh, came together to make just this project. Well, let's just do this, okay? Yeah, because he had done that and talking they, <laughs> Timbuktu thing with uh, Ali Fakatore was his name. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, so, I mean, did you guys, what did you guys think of the song? I loved it. I love this stuff so much. It's just crazy to listen to something like that now in this time where we're not allowed to be around anybody. And like that, you know, like you said, it's like, they're all just in a room like that. That music just screams like people together and there's so much sound happening. And it's like, it's always amazing to me that it's not, it's not, it's not competing necessarily it's it's all working in, uh, together so well without being overwhelming and but it sounds like a fucking party <laughs> like it's yeah. so like it sounds so festive and then like compare like the first thing that i kept thinking of was just like the idea of of uh, this feels like so american but the idea of like bedroom pop like that sort of oh, genre man. of people like that are like i'm at home and i'm gonna whisper <laughs> into a very a microphone very closely and i'm gonna sing like it's very you know, this is the polar opposite of that. <laughs> yeah. This is music that's meant to coexist with other human beings. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's sorely it's, it, and it's so, it's certainly like I was in Cuba, what, 2017. So it's been, it'll be, it'll be four years soon that I, when I was in Cuba and like all the buskers were playing this stuff. And I remember these guys, when we were walking along the Malecon in, in Havana said to me, you know, like, if you go over there and you see that building, if you look right there, that's Omara Portuanda's house, you know, who is one of the people, one of the surviving members who's still alive. Uh, they're like, that's where she lives. And like the fact that she's like such a, 
icon now. Um, I don't know if you've heard of this guy, Joey, but we listened to uh, Silvio Rodriguez a couple episodes ago. And like when I asked, because they were playing this stuff on the guitar and trying to get money from us, I'm like, why don't you play a Silvio song for us? And you're like, I don't remember who that is. And like, you know, he's still active and touring and big, but it's like, the, I think uh, Cuba's really makes a lot of their money on, on tourism. And I think that they, they've latched onto this stuff. Like, uh, this it's stuff. in fact, another currency is the tourist money that comes in. There's two different forms of currency there. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. They have the two different types of, uh, of what, whatever the, I forget the currency is called, but there's the, well, the guy I was with was hell bent on getting the one that the Cubans use and like, they wouldn't give it to him. And he was like super, like super angry about that. Cause he really wanted that, that, that currency, but you're right. There are two different forms of money. Um, but the crazy thing is, uh, I watched the movie since I came back from Cuba and the movie was made about 94, 95, and it looks exactly the same. Like everything looks exactly. And you're right. Like the, the, the apartment we had in Havana was like up on like, was on like on like stilts or something and like it was terrifying because we thought it was going to collapse but right it was, uh, so how did you feel when you were walking around and you didn't see any major corporate uh billboards or ads or anything how did that feel well i didn't fly into havana i flew into a different city so oh, okay. we, didn't go, we didn't go to havana to the end um, and I had a, I had a pretty strange experience with customs. Uh, I, was inter- <laughs> I was, I was interrogated for two hours <laughs> on wow. my way in. It was, I'll, it's a long story, but I'll tell you later or something. Okay. Like I do want to know about it. Yeah, I, was, I was worried going in. I was, well, the, here's the thing is I had a concussion that was like on and off for a while. And my Chinese herbalist gave me these like herbs and I wasn't going to bring them with me. And the day before I flew, we were in Florida at my mom's and like I, my wife and my kids, it was like a birthday, my 40th birthday gift, like a friend that I went to Cuba. So my wife and my kids stayed with my mom and I was playing with my kid in the pool and he smacked me in the head. And like some of my symptoms started to come back and I was like, you know what? I'll just bring these herbs in. And got me into so much trouble. Wow. <laughs> it just spiraled out of control. It's, like, it's a really long story, but anyhow. Yeah, so I, no, was I, over, I understand. I was looking over my shoulder a lot after my experience with the the customs people. But um, yeah, no corporations anywhere, and it's it's you know we're blessed here in Portland that we don't see a lot of corporation stuff. Like if we unless we go looking for it. But true. But there, okay. The total total side note real quick but there's a target going in over where the old bowling alley used to be in the hollywood district they yeah, took over the bowling alley over here furious. i know i know i, yeah. I thought that was a wild target are you talking about the bowling alley that became like the, the hardware orchard it became orchard hardware yeah but it used to yeah. be it was a bowling alley i was totally sorry totally, but i was thinking about corporations was, coming in here and like target totally like this must be a new a new strategy yeah they took over the bowling alley near me now they're getting yeah. one in yep. hollywood yeah I am a I am a perverse lover of targets, but that I, I I hold a very specific bitter grudge against that target for taking over <laughs> that bowling alley, and it's also the worst target I've ever been in. The one over by so me. It, yeah, that I've one. Never, I've never been in there, so I don't know. It sucks, David. It sucks. <laughs> yeah. Aww. Well, you know, did I ever tell you guys like my commercial idea for Target? Like yes. Um, the, the spoon song, yes. The spoon song, yeah, yeah. Don't, Don't make, make me, a, me target. a target. Yeah, like just have like a building and like it's showing it like going like people thinking it's Walmart and you know, anyway. well, uh, or maybe it's a Walmart commercial. I don't yeah, know which one it was. Yeah, that's what it is. Anyhow, yeah. Uh, back to back to like walking around. Yeah, there was no corporations. You know, it was it was a interesting. You know, there's no 
the whole cell service thing was weird too. Did you have any like internet when you were there? Cause it's, it's pretty interesting. Oh, I don't think I was really, I didn't have time uh, or interest in being online. I mean, I was busy hands. working. I, I had to record, but my wife and uh, some of the other people that were not recording were going out and going to the beach and got cigars and then, you know, showed us around later. Like, oh, we got to go check out this art, you know, alley down here, this kind of installation is really cool. And, and then, uh, Amparo Sanchez got married. Um, and so we had a big party. They, they, they brought in a, a cooked pig. And so we were eating mm-hmm. chicharrones and, and having this, <laughs> we had a party. It was amazing. Was, uh, was incredible. La, La Fabrica de Arte Cubana there when Cubano was there when you were there? It was like the, it was like this kind of like warehouse that was each room had its own kind of installation. There was like a disco in one room, and then like it was like it was pretty amazing. Uh, that sounds incredible. Lying around I don't the block know. to get in, it was like super like it just seemed like super like uh, high yeah, brow. We, it was awesome. Though. We we didn't do a lot of that stuff. Um, no, but it sounds really cool. I would love to go back and check it out. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you the story uh, when we when we're done recording. If you want to stick around afterwards, I'll tell you the sure. whole custom story. But um, let's go to the last song, and okay. then we can we can we can listen to that, and then we talk okay. about it a little bit, and wrap up. So you know, just again, you know, I want to play music from around the world that encompasses minor music, and and maybe shows a little bit of that sort of. Um, cross-pollination, right? So here you've got African and European influences uh, residing in in Havana, Cuba, right? You know, <laughs> it just, it's kind of incredible. It's a beautiful crossroad. Um, and that's kind of what, you know, music is all about. It's all about crossroads. And one of uh, my favorite, more modern artists is a woman who unfortunately has passed away now, but her name is Laza de Sela. And I would love to listen to a song called Anywhere on This Road. It's off of her album, The Living Road. She only made three records. This is her second one, which is my favorite. I live in this country now. I'm called by this name. I speak this language. It's not quite the same. For no other reason than this, it's my home And the places I used to be far from are gone You've traveled this long, you just have to go on Don't even look back to see how far you've come Though your body is bending under the load There is nowhere to stop anywhere on this road My heart is breaking, I cannot see I love a man who's afraid of me He believes if he doesn't stand guard with the knife I'll make him my slave for the rest of his life I love this hour when 
So that was Anywhere on This Road by Laza de Sela. I wanted to choose a song that still kept with this, this theme of um, sort of like this blue highway or this blue road that connects us all. And especially a lot of the Latin music uh, or music that's in minor mode. It doesn't have to be Latin necessarily. But And I wanted to pick a song in English for, for others to listen to. And I think in our conversation, you know, these lyrics sort of speak directly to people that are that are forced to flee or, or and then that are living on the road or are living out of their homes or just don't have any home at all and uh i just think it's such a beautiful song i love the lyrics i love her voice i love the the percussion and um thank you so much for allowing me to play this song and all the others for you tonight yeah, her voice is like something else. <laughs> it's just like amazing. It sounds kind of like a, a less poppy Shakira or something like that. That's the kind of way kind of swish, swish, swish in your face, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't. I like it. I think it's great. I mean, I think Shakira's got a great voice too. I mean, like before I, she, I agree too. 
Yeah, before she went super mega, like like her, her Spanish language albums are great. I mean, mm-hmm. the earlier stuff. But what, so, you, what can uh, you tell us about her? I mean, like, yeah, not, not so, Shakira. <laughs> <laughs> Talk to yeah, us right. about Shakira, Jeff. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, Laza, uh, she's American, Canadian. Uh, her parents were hippies. I think they traveled in a, her and her family all traveled in a VW um, bus or van. And, um, all around Mexico and the state. She was living at times in uh, Southern France. I think some of her family still lives there, but she settled eventually in, uh, in Montreal. So she sang in French, uh, Spanish and English. And um, she was a fan of all the kind of the, the greats, you know, like Amalia Rodriguez from, from Portugal, um, Mercedes Sosa, um, all these kind of uh, Chavela, uh, Chavela Vargas from, uh, from, uh, from Mexico, all these uh, Nina Simone, she was a big fan of her. Uh, all these really strong women. Uh, you could have uh, easily talked about Fado music as well. Uh, I know, I was yeah. going to, but I felt like with only four song selections, I would just start here. And, yeah. Yeah. A little bit old, a little bit new. Um, but certainly there are some great singers from Portugal. And in fact, Gisela Jao is, to me, sounds like Amalia Rodriguez, and she's incredible. And, uh, She's on one of the new songs on this record. It's, the song is called Tanta Tristeza. And, uh, but with this song, with Laza, um, I just felt like she, she was going deep and she was trying to get at the root of things, um, both in regards to uh, relationships and uh, in the way cultures and worlds are working. And I really respected that in her. And I got to meet her and play a little bit with her. And, and yeah, she was a... Uh, she was a serious cat. And she's no longer with us, you said? No, she passed away. Um, was she old? She was 37. No. Oh, yeah, no. she was 37. Yeah, thank yeah. you. Yeah, she was young. That's, that's a, sorry to hear that. But, um, me too, you know, um, me too. Is this the she's, album to investigate, the second one? If you're I think it's one. I mean, all three are really special in their own way. I mean, for being such a, an incredible singer, songwriter, and performer to only do three records. I mean, it's, I mean, I wish there were more, uh, you know, the first one's great. It's called La Llorona and it's a really interesting record too. But this second one was produced by the, the drummer or percussionist, uh, in her, in her group back then. And I just, I think it's the percussion and the sounds are just exquisite. It's almost soundtrack. Like there's a lot of, um, that kind of ambience. It's yeah. almost you know, you were talking about cigarettes earlier. Um, I mean, that's completely in the other end of the spectrum as far as using reverb and ambience. But there's something here that sort of ties back into that first song we heard of Taraf de Haidukes. Um, there's something very similar with the the trumpet solo in the in the end. That that kind of melody is not a Western melody, right? It's a trumpet, mm-hmm. but it's it's not Louis Armstrong. It's not Wynn Marsalis. Right. It's something else. And so it, it's, it's coming more from, uh, from like the Balkans from, from the East. The reason I brought up the father was I get that sense of Duende. Have you heard of that, that idea on that song? Um, right. So that in Portuguese, yeah. Melancholy and other languages too. Yeah. yeah. A sense of longing. And that to me, it can be meditative. And that's why I, 
you know, when, when I'm sad dad and I'm playing the sad dad piano music, <laughs> I'm meditating in a way, you know, and it's, uh, it's not necessarily like I'm, I'm crying in my, in my oatmeal or anything. I'm just, I'm really loving it. Cold and everything. <laughs> well, like you said, it's it's very obvious. Uh, it seems like a drummer per, like produced that because it's so the the percussion is so like you do have that ambience going on, but the hand claps mixed with the sort of thudding drums like yeah. uh, makes uh, it gives it something else there without it being like you know <clears throat> oh it's not overbearing and, and it's so uh, I don't know it, it makes it feel a little bit more like it's got that little more doomish feel to it as a result uh, underneath all of that. Um, It's very, it's very, it's very muscular, but it's very, very lean muscle. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. And I think there's a lot of connections between what David, what you were talking about earlier, as far as uh, the movie Latter Drum starting off in India and the sort of percussion that they um, were using. Yeah, I will. I'll be a little bit louder. (laughs) Happy dad. (laughs) Um, Yeah. I'm going to go in the other room, but I think the use of percussion and I think that uh, Laza and, and the band were well aware of, of much of the music around the world and trying to incorporate those, those voices or those sounds or samples, whatever you want to call it. And I think in general, when I think about modern music and I think about the use of samples or the use of instrumentation to create certain um, levels or layers I think that with all these, for the most part, except for maybe uh, Mano Chao, all this stuff is fairly organic. And I think there's something really tremendous about that, that all these artists are using organic things and the styles and the sounds are, are those influences from around the world. That's what I wanted to show. I wanted to show you all like, hey, we're all connected. We're all related going to be okay <laughs> it's not doom and gloom you know and um and that music is is a healing thing you know and however you know devastating uh, our world can be or our own lives are, are struggling mm. um i think it's i think it's important to remember that and so certainly um this music has meant a lot to me and it's gotten me through and kind of gave me a different perspective on on my life and our country here in the United States. Well, Joey, thank you so much for joining us for episode number 50. This has been, uh, for me at least, and uh, hopefully you two guys as well, this has been an amazing episode. And uh, everyone at home should go go out and buy a seasonal shift. Uh, if not for, if, if we don't get this up before uh, Christmas, you know, get it for next year. Uh, you know, and then that <laughs> way you can have away. it. Stockpile it away. Um, but, um, so just you know, or if you want to feel festive, just put it on. You know, but um, that's sweet of you guys. I've really enjoyed, really, just talking to you and and allowing me to play some music and and get to meet you all. You guys are great. Really, yeah. I really enjoyed this. I, I had no idea what I was stepping into. <laughs> yeah, hopefully, it's a little bit d- different than they. I mean, we try to strive for something different than just like your normal interview. You know, it's like we like I said, it's like we try to have a conversation. So hopefully, we achieve that tonight. But um, you know, yeah, for, yeah, for me and Eric and Holly, enjoy your enjoy life. your life. Enjoy your life. What a beautiful fucking day.